0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your I host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Matthewson wor- wasn't worried about? S I E R A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there and on the other, other side of the screen team team is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clipped together every time we've talked
1: about him on other people's profiles. We've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore.
0: And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris To Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am
1: doing very well. We have We had a a historic milestone get accomplished uh, on Sunday. That was really cool to see. And overall, just some good baseball. We got a dramatic change in the NL wildcard, one that none of us saw coming, say, a month and a half ago. But uh, it is getting interesting up in here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, A real sneak attack uh, (laughs) happening in the National League, Uh, you know. Part of it is uh, just complacency by one team, just kind of being blah for a month and a half. And then the other team uh, is doing fairly, fairly well. But uh, you mentioned first off the milestone. We, we uh, preluded it. Um, we pre, we uh, preluded it a, a few episodes. We had it, we had it happen. We said Miguel Cabrera is going to get his 500th home run. And uh, not a lot of people were saying that, but we, yeah. we had it happen. We had the Vegas va- odds on if he
1: would do it or not was like, I think it was uh, like 5,000
0: to one. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I'm not a betting man, but maybe I should start because I feel like I'm losing money, not yeah. taking these bets. Yeah. Some people said he wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. But he did it.
1: He hit his 500th career home run. It was in Toronto. Went to the opposite field, kind of fitting because Miguel Cabrera has been a bit of a spray hitter through his career, so it makes yeah. sense that his his uh 500th home run goes not pulled. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, he's um, he's a he's a he's a he's a, he's a, he's a pure hitter, and yeah, went that way, and it was a it was a high leverage situation. He tied the game, uh, in that uh, in that situation. Yeah, he did. It is funny because, you know. A milestone in a road stadium especially like the blue the blue jays are still somewhat in contention mm-hmm. so like he tied the game against them in a you know relatively important game it's late in the season they're kind of falling behind in the wild card but toronto still like <laughs> their natural instinct is to give him a standing ovation even yeah. though he just tied the game <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean like it's it was like the third inning or whatever it was like it was early in the yeah. game to make it one one like it wasn't like he just hit like a a ninth inning like go ahead home run
0: yeah i thought it was the sixth inning
1: maybe it was but either way it wasn't that late in the game
0: yeah it wasn't off um it wasn't off like brad hand yeah. two outs you know ninth inning.
1: yeah uh, yes. it is also, it is just like, it happened on a Sunday afternoon too, when there was like a thousand other games going on.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, when, uh, when Tristan McKenzie was throwing his, uh, perfect game or was in the middle of a perfect game in, <clears throat> in the seventh inning, we were, we were talking to like with, uh, with someone else too, like, it would be hilarious if Miguel Cabrera got his 500th home run this way. It yep. Would, it would be the at-bat with the most eyes on it for sure. Yeah. Like, that's the... Because they, they don't really have any primetime games going on. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, a, a big uh, big milestone being accomplished there. Uh, I found one stat. Uh, I was able to find one stat that I actually tweeted out uh, just before recording. He became the first player in baseball history with a 3.10 plus batting average career batting average 2900 plus career hits and 500 plus career home runs uh pretty uh, extraordinary i, I would have thought someone else had done that but miguel cabrera that? um so yeah he's uh you know in a class of his own and that 2900 plus hits is going to be 3000 plus hits uh do we um, think so? I I think he's gonna get forty five more, especially okay.
1: uh, especially the fact that he has four years left on his deal.
0: Yeah, he does. He have does he have four he has years? A, he is a two year
1: uh, vesting. He has a two year vesting option.
0: Oh right, 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 right. So he has guaranteed at least two more years to yeah. get forty five. That would games. mean he
1: needs he needs a, and plus the end of this year he needs about twenty hits per year. Yeah, I think he could do it.
0: Yeah, I you know, a lot of a lot of people are saying he's old, but I think he could hit at least one hundred and get to that get to that it's, point. It's
1: possible. Uh, how many doubles does he need for six hundred? Because he's close to that as well, I believe.
0: Um, he has five
1: hundred ninety-one career doubles. He can get to six hundred doubles.
0: All right. Well, let's actually. I should take a look at how many have five hundred home runs and 590 doubles.
1: You could um, probably just say 600 doubles, assuming he gets there.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Miguel Cabrera wildly. Like uh, he's, he's the King of offensive statistics. He's kind of, he was kind of the mm-hmm. standard bearer for offense for uh, about a decade. Uh, yeah. He truly, yeah. Truly has been amazing throughout his career um five. you know right now he's at 500 home runs 591 doubles uh he is along with uh barry bonds hank aaron or henry aaron as he's referred to now i think that was his preferred name uh albert pujols and david ortiz actually so he's one of five right now pretty good very good yeah um
1: He also has 17 triples. He could get to 18, even though he hasn't had a triple since 2016.
0: Now that one, that one is to. That one might,
1: that one might be 5,000
0: to one odds. Yeah. (laughs) He has not tripled since 2016. Right, right. Um, Yeah, let's, who, who on this 500 home run, 590 double list has 17 plus triples? Uh, Probably all of them. Uh Albert Pujols only has 16. So ah, he's one behind. <laughs> <laughs> he's still he's still active, so he's still got a shot. He's still got a shot. Uh Henry Aaron had 98. Barry Bonds had yeah. 77. And Barry Bonds
1: played his whole career at or at least most of his career in San Francisco where they have triples alley out there.
0: Yeah. And that was
1: what 90. What year did they build that stadium? Like 97 or something like that?
0: uh i think 2000
1: okay but also he was like he also had 500 stolen bases like he was yeah
0: barry bonds was very fast people forget because like when you think of barry bonds you think of 756 it's very funny miguel
1: cabrera like we're talking about his 500th home run he still has not surpassed his home run count has not surpassed barry bonds stolen base count
0: right yeah hasn't hasn't been able to work out um
1: But this is like the first, as a baseball fan, this is like my first I'm getting old moment. Like when I started watching baseball, Miguel Cabrera was the best hitter in the league. And now we're, we're on milestone watch.
0: Yeah. I, I think the ultimate one for me was, was Wander Franco. But that was a good, that was one too. Yeah. That was probably number one on the list. This is up there, but, (laughs) but, uh, seeing, um, seen Wander Franco get in there younger than us. That's
1: I mean for me like I had that I don't know I had that Wander Franco moment when he w- became the top prospect and I was like, "Oh, I am way older than him. This is this is weird." Um... Now like now you look up and down that list. I mean like Marcelo Meyer was born in like December of 2002. Right, yeah. And... I mean, now you just go up and down the prospects list and there's a, w- there's a lot of people who are who are younger than us. Now it's just now it's just it's getting worse and worse by the year it's not getting any better from here so
0: yeah yeah but like but but then also when you like look at them they just look way more mature mm-hmm. and and like you know oh it's like oh yeah that's just a professional athlete that's not a guy who graduated 2 years before me mm-hmm. yeah it it doesn't feel it still doesn't feel like uh it doesn't doesn't feel that real um all right uh yeah so congratulations to Miguel Cabrera, uh, I mean, yeah, one of the the elite hitters yeah, in like baseball a, history.
1: An easy first ballot Hall of Famer.
0: Uh, yeah, easily, easily for sure. Probably should get you know ninety percent of the ninety percent of the vote. I
1: don't know why you wouldn't vote for him.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, but if we're playing the uh, unanimous game, you know yeah. who who deserves unanimity you know cabrera's cabrera at at around 90 percent. i think that's pretty safe to say you know that Mm -hmm. should be uh that should be done um so yeah big time big time shout out to to him and uh i think what what should we talk about first should we talk about let's talk about the nl wild card race because this is taking a turn that we didn't expect absolutely for sure um so yeah, for context on the National League Wild Card, uh, the Reds are currently a game ahead for that second game wild for that uh, second Wild Card spot uh, for the Wild Card game. Uh, so after June 30th, the Padres were 49 and 33 with a six and a half game lead for the second Wild Card spot. This is all for context on how this has transpired because this is a uh, pretty wild that it's kind of been a slow effect. It hasn't been, it's kind of just crept up on us, but here we are. So yeah, Padres were 49 and 33 with a six and a half game lead for the second wild card spot after June 30th. At the same point, the Reds were 39 and 40, a game below 500 down eight and a half games in the wild card race. Uh, And now we are, we are here. uh, Padres, since the start of July have a 19 and 25 record and the Reds since the start of July have a 30 and 17 record. And, uh, we can get this goes, this goes far beyond just the start
1: of July. Uh, since May 30th, the Padres have a 34 and 39 record. That is the, uh, the fourth best in their division. Colorado Rockies are 38 and 34, uh, since May 30th.
0: Mm-hmm. and yeah. the
1: reds as you might imagine are 47 and 29 that is the fourth best record in the national league behind the brewers giants and dodgers mm-hmm. this uh, is this is taking a turn like well, this was uh, like it was essentially a lock that there's going to be two nls teams in the wild card game it was just a matter of who will snag the division and which two will face each other
0: yeah absolutely we, we were taking that situation of. Uh, you know, pretty much for granted with the way, you know, the Padres were with the way the Padres were playing out of the gate and, you know, the expectations we had for them. But uh, this is just uh, kind of emerged, um, I guess to point out the Padres greatest uh, weaknesses and the uh, Reds greatest strengths. So the Padres problem has been their starting pitching um, since the start of July. And this is kind of when we've, we pointed out three Padres pitchers as slightly alarmians with them being Blake Snell, Chris Paddock, and Yu Darvish. And uh, this band kind of start starts when uh, you Darvish began his struggles uh, since the start of July, their starter ERA is 5.92 and ranks last in the national league with only the Orioles behind them in all of major league baseball. And then uh, on the flip side, with the Reds, since the start of July, and I got the stat yesterday. I'm pretty sure it still stands, but uh, since the start of July, their team OPS is the best in Major League Baseball. They've had the best offense, at least non park adjusted, <clears throat> in Major League Baseball. It's been on the heels of uh, guys like Joey Votto, Jonathan India, uh, Jesse Winker. I think Kyle Farmer's gotten gotten some lo- gotten some. Uh, Impact in there. It's been it's been a from an offensive
1: standpoint. The Reds don't get enough. Sorry, I'll let you finish that.
0: Oh, I I didn't really have much left.
1: Okay, but from an offensive standpoint, I tweeted this recently. But the Reds don't get enough credit for, like, from an offensive perspective, adopting the like the new age of baseball. I think their team launch angle over the in the month of August is like seventeen degrees, which is, uh, pretty big. Like, it's a very large, and it's an increase from where it was before. Like, a big increase. Let me see. Uh, their launch angle in the month... Okay, it's 16. It went down, but it was at 11 from April to July.
0: Um, which is a steep increase. Uh, their... What was? Launch angle. Launch angle. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, they've scored... I think they've scored more runs than everyone except for maybe the Rays in the month of August.
0: Um, yeah. And I, I would guess they probably have the most home runs.
1: Oh, definitely. I would have got, they've got that as well.
0: They got to have the most home runs. Which is like, especially impressive considering it's a national league team. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to get into. Um, cause you know, the Padres were, uh kind of the the kind of like america's team heading into the year Mm -hmm. they grew so much in popularity last year with um you know what they what they were able to do in that 60 game season they had the second best record in the national league they go out this past off season they get uh blake snell they get you darvish um two of the two of the better pitchers in major league baseball and uh and, you know, they get out of the gate pretty strong there. It seems like they're in a, a three team race for the National League West. Uh, that's no longer really a thing. And and now they're a game back in the uh, in the wild card. And yeah, I think I think the biggest. Yeah. Uh, numbers wise, it's pretty obvious. Uh, we before the season, we kind of predicted the the Padres would have like a top five rotation in all of baseball. It's been pretty much the opposite. You could argue they've been like a bottom one of the one of the worst uh, rotations, at least of, as of late, in Major League Baseball. And they just took action yesterday. They fired Larry
1: Rothschild, their pitching coach. Kind of seems overdue, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what took them so long. Considering over the last you know couple of months, you know it's been one of the worst uh, rotations in the league. And we, you know, the fact that Blake Snell has been struggling for a while. you Darvish has kind of been struggling for a while. Chris Paddock hasn't panned out. He hasn't been good really since 2019 like this. I don't know. It's it felt like the writing was on the wall for a little too long before they actually did it.
0: True. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When you have that amount of guys underperforming, I mean, I guess you have to take action. I. It is weird because you, you have no idea what goes on in these clubhouses. Oh, whoops. What was that? CBS Sports. Oh, nice! Shout out to uh, Pete Davidson in this uh, commercial here. Uh, I'm trying to look at. I'm trying to look at if Nelson Lamette has any progress going on. Uh, on August 21st, we have a report saying Lamet, in parentheses, hip, which is his injury, through a bullpen session on Thursday per MLB.com. The right hander has had been on the shelf since August 12th while recovering from a hip infection, but he has now started to ramp back up in, in anticipation of a return. Lamette could be ready to rejoin the Padres at the beginning of September, and he is expected to pitch out of the bullpen once activated, so he's not going to be helping out that starting staff either. Yeah. Um, it is weird. I, I don't know what goes on in Major League clubhouses. I don't know how much of their pitching is based on You know the analytics department and how much of it is truly from pitching and bullpen coaches. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's just them kind of playing playing the blame game on Rothschild. Well, Rothschild,
1: like he's I
0: he's probably a more
1: old school guy, right? Like he was on the Joe Girardi uh, administration with the Yankees. Like he's he doesn't really strike me as, and I could be wrong. I don't know the guy, and I don't know if he's changed since joined the Padres. But like he does strike me uh, as an old school type of
0: guy. Yeah. I was surprised to see that he was, cause you know, obviously I don't know every pitching coach mm-hmm. uh, out there. I had no idea he was the Padres pitching coach and I was very surprised to see that he was that particular uh, pitching coach considering mm-hmm. like Jace Tingler is their manager. He's more of a new school type of guy. And then you just have a guy like he, he was the pitching coach for the Yankees for like 10 years. I think he's probably, he's gotta be in his sixties or something like that. Um, yeah. I, not saying that age necessarily means old school, but um there's more of a correlation there uh so yeah, I, you know Padre's definitely took at He's sixty seven yeah he so, pitched
1: eight and a third innings in his major league career
0: what was his uh e r
1: a uh five four with a six eight four fifth
0: oh wow he's get he was getting lucky yeah um but yeah uh Padres clearly addressing that problem somewhat. I'm. I mean, you know, I don't know how much of of an effect that will have on on field performance. I mean, some of it has to do with, you know, your your number one guy from last year is has only pitched thirty four innings this year. Yeah,
1: I mean, like it's all been it's all been underperforming and injuries, like Denelson Lamette, like Mike Clevenger, obviously, uh, was hurt as well.
0: Yeah. You Darvish is currently on the IL, but you know, only for a like the only,
1: the only like sustainable positive in the rotation has been Joe Musgrove.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, we haven't, we haven't given him uh too much love, but yeah, he's been, uh you know, kind of, you know, low three ZRA currently and uh, he's been kind of carrying the way um, unintentionally. You You know, at one point you would say at one point you could comfortably say Darvish was the ace of the staff, but he's fell off uh, in his last seven starts. Um, Yeah,
1: that is that is correct.
0: Yeah, so Musgrove just kind of becomes your horse now. Oddly enough, Um, it hasn't been an issue with their offense. It hasn't been an issue with their bullpen. They, They have been kind of going the same way they had been before this skid but uh now but yeah it, it's it, it's a lot to do with starting pitching um the reds i mean in a more old school season i think joey vada would be getting a good amount of like mvp consideration i think he still turnaround. should be yeah like, i think he
1: like i mean like what most of the other national league mvp candidates have kind of like gotten it hurt or fallen off like Tatis. I mean, I still think Tatis could have win it, but he fell off. You know, he got hurt. Uh, DeGrom fell off. Um, I mean, who else?
0: Um, Acuna.
1: Acuna. Acuna got hurt. Yeah. Like it's been Joey Votto very well could. It'd be very cool to see him win an MVP in 2010 and 2021. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, honestly.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, that Would be tied for the uh, most amount of time between MVPs, like one MVP and the next MVP, because Willie Mays did it in 54 and 65, um, episode 36. Everyone, but uh, yeah, that would be really cool, and um, also, yeah, th- that was a fun couple days when we were talking about Bryce Harper as the MVP, and then the Phillies just. Yep. Uh <laughs> fell completely off. They got
1: swept by the Diamondbacks, that's tough. Um <laughs> Joey Votto, like I'm trying to find exactly what articles it's from, but like he's been on the record saying like he looks at analytics like on his own time and he uses it to try to improve his game and it's clearly working.
0: Yeah, there was a there's a foolish baseball uh video where you know, there was like a there was like a 10 second snippet where Vado like mentioned baseball savant where he's like when when you look at the baseball savant stuff it's really and it was it was like wow you know it's like if one of us (laughs) had the ability to hit 450 foot tanks (laughs) and get on base 40 percent of the time it's pretty much pretty much like that that's really cool but i
1: mean like he like we were talking about his prime being over like not that long ago, and like he's just completely revitalized his entire career.
0: Yeah, and we weren't, we weren't, uh not justified in saying that.
1: Like he has, he has his third best career single season slugging percentage right now. At five seventy five, the only seasons where he's had a higher slugging were two thousand ten and two thousand seventeen. Yeah, Well the- like you could argue both of those seasons he should have won MVP instead yeah. of just one of them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, 2010, 2010, he won MVP. Twenty seventeen, he was what, runner up, right?
1: He was runner up to Stanton. He had fifty nine home runs. <laughs> that's what that's what it took to beat thirty three year old Joey Votto.
0: Yeah, wow. Um,
1: on a on a on a lost cause of a team too.
0: Yeah, he's just been um, revitalizing himself. He uh, he's ninety 97- seven. He's still. <laughs> According to uh, ex-WOBA, he's still getting unlucky. He's He has 14 more points of ex-WOBA than WOBA. He's
1: In a- defense, his walk rate isn't as high, so I would, I would probably expect that. His walk rate is 12.9%, which is uh, 3, 3% three below his career average.
0: Yeah, his, uh, his expected... Yeah, that's pretty wild. His uh, expected slugging is his career high by a... a by a lot is uh and this is also from 2015 on but that includes 2017 which you mentioned uh 2017 he had a 553 expected slugging uh this year he's got a 609 expected slugging pretty good yeah very very good um i we should review like when this when this started and like what he's been doing because i would imagine he's the leader in like f war since oh yeah you
1: know he's he leads this is uh I was looking at my how about that and he he leads weighted runs Joey Votto leads weighted runs created plus uh, in the sample that I use for my how about that and my how about that was 2nd Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to reveal the date just because I want to save that, but uh yeah, it's uh at least a month.
0: I'll right, save that. right. Uh yeah so, July second on uh Joey Vado Hitting 319 with an 1152 OPS, mm-hmm. 47 RBI in 45 games. And yeah, I would imagine if we head over to uh, baseball or uh, fan graphs, baseball fan graphs, great website.
1: Very good website. Indeed. I would agree.
0: Um, If you want to get some baseball stats, that's a good place to go. Yeah. Joey Votto, leader in F4. Since July second, or you could probably just say start of July, if we wanna, if we wanna do that. But yeah, um, he's definitely been like second half MVP, and he's the he's you know Reds aren't Reds aren't in this position without Joey Votto.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Um, yeah, and then also, uh, you know, in their offense, uh, Jonathan Indy has been doing great. Uh, Jesse Winker, he's come back from the injury after the slightly alarming has been just about the same as he was before. I think he's he's on the IL
1: right now, though. Uh, Mike Moustakis just yeah, I think Mike Moustakis just came back, though. He
0: homered on Sunday. Uh, Yeah, Jesse Winker is currently on the 10 day IL. Yeah, Kyle Farmer doing very well. And Luis Castillo, he was a slightly alarming back in like April or May, but he has uh, really turned it around and his luck has turned around for sure. He was one of the more unlucky pitchers in baseball. And yeah. uh that's that's changed. Um so yeah, uh yeah, because they're starting pitching, I believe, in um they're starting pitching since the start of July. I think they're sixth in I they might be sixth in all of major league baseball. I might have to double check that.
1: Go ahead and look.
0: Yeah, because because their bullpen has been kind of their bullpen. It's been like middle of the pack to below average, but, uh, but their starting pitching has been looking more like it was looking last year. Cause we talked about, that was probably their biggest strength of last year. Yeah. Um, and obviously they lost a guy. Um, yeah, let's take a look here. They, yeah, they're sixth in Major League Baseball in starter ERA with a 353 starter ERA since the start of July and 415 FIP, which even that is, uh, I think, uh, above average in the spin. So, yeah, uh, the Reds and Padres have gone in two different directions uh, steadily for the past couple months. Can change, and uh now we're here. And also, actually, what I forgot to mention: strength of schedule. Uh, I believe I, I looked it up. People have tweeted it out. Padres, I think, have the the hardest schedule. Dude, they have. On. They have a ridiculous schedule. Yeah, the the Padres have the hardest schedule upcoming, have... and the Reds have the second easiest. Well, I let me pull it this up. The exact opposite because because like you know. Uh, I figured yeah. the Reds were facing like easier teams, but
1: no. I saw the Padres' schedule like a couple weeks ago, and like they have, they have no mercy going forward. So they just finished up a series with the Phillies, who you know they were a playoff caliber team, and now they're you know the Braves have picked themselves up. So I don't know. That seems more and more unlikely by the day. But regardless, it's a good team. They play yeah. the Dodgers this week, and they play the then they go to Anaheim to face the Angels. And then at the end of the month, they face the Diamondbacks. It's basically the only easy uh, team they have left. And then they face the Astros at Petco. Then they face the Angels at Petco. Then they go out to LA to face the Dodgers. Then they have four against the Giants in San Francisco. Then they have three against the Cardinals, who have played better in St. Louis. Then they have three against the Giants at home. And then they have, uh... oh, and then they have, okay, a four against the Braves, with one of them being a suspended game. And then they finish with three against the Dodgers. Oh, no. And then they I'm sorry. Then they then they go into October and they finish with three against the Giants in San Francisco.
0: Oh, yeah. They better hope that last Like the worst,
1: the worst team they face other than that one series against the Diamondbacks is like the Angels or the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, which are still respectable franchises. Yeah. Everyone else is playoff caliber. They better hope the Giants have the NL West wrapped up by The last Mm -hmm. series, (laughs) they. I mean, even then, they
1: might need to fight for the best record in the league.
0: Um, right, yeah, and and get that uh one seed for the potential uh, championship series, um, and World Series now, which I guess I mean
1: I guess the Dodgers might be like if they clinch the division, the Dodgers might be the second best team anyway. So, but it depends on the
0: Brewers, really. True, true. Um, and then still
1: the Padres, just I mean they have they
0: are. No mercy in this schedule whatsoever. And then on the flip side, we have the Reds, who I believe it's, I I believe it would still stand. They have the second easiest schedule from here on out. Uh, They are about to face Milwaukee, which is a, a tough test for sure. Then they go to Miami. They, and then after that, it's three games against St. Louis at home, three games against Detroit at home. Then they go to Chicago to face the Cubs on the road. I mean, they've been a disaster since the trade deadline. So that's even worse than like the Cubs are right now are a worse representative than what their overall record says. They're like the right around, players.
1: like with the pirates over the last like couple of months, as far as record, I think I was looking at the since May 30th stats for the Padres, the, the pirates have a better record than the Cubs. Since that oh date.
0: God.
1: Yeah. That's how, that's where we're at.
0: So, yeah, that, you know, the Reds facing the Cubs there. That's, that should be good for the Reds. Um, Then after that uh, it's another series against St. Louis. After that, they go to Pittsburgh. As we mentioned, Pittsburgh, not the standard for success. Uh, Then the Reds face, uh, they face the Dodgers, but it is at home. Um, So that's an advantage for the Reds a little bit. Then they face Pittsburgh at home. Then Washington at home. Washington has been, Right down there with the Cubs since the uh, trade deadline in terms of being bad, and then uh, Cincinnati is at the uh, is at Guaranteed Rate Field to face the White Sox for only two games, and then the Reds finish out their season in Pittsburgh. They have, I think, nine games against Pittsburgh still remaining. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is funny. Yeah, the last year, like. The Padres, if they don't have a, if they're not tied or have a lead heading into the final series, because the the Padres' final series of the year is in San Francisco, you said, right? Yes. The the they uh, still
1: have they still have a time against the Giants.
0: Yeah. The the Reds, meanwhile, their final series is against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh So. Like, I, what's the,
1: what's, what does fan graphs have as like the playoff odds right now?
0: Um, that's a good question. I mean, I like, I'm probably favoring the Reds right now. I would be too. You know, uh, unless this Padres rotation can turn it around. Where do I go on fan graphs to find the playoff projections? I always forget. I always seem I to do forget. Too. I
1: know how to get baseball references, but not fan graphs.
0: Um, it like teams. I can't find anything there.
1: Standings. Uh, oh, standings. Okay, twenty. It's in standings. Uh, the 2021 playoff odds. As of right now, on August 24th, the Padres have a zero percent chance to win the division, and they have a 26.3 percent chance to make the playoffs. The Reds have a sixty four percent chance to make the playoffs yeah, yeah it is dramatically favoring the Reds,
0: yeah, yeah, and it should be, yeah, based on schedule, based on momentum
1: that's yeah. how it should be that is wild
0: um <clears throat> so yeah i mean uh <laughs> it w- it would be it would be odd to see the Padres after all, like it's the Padres have been hyped up pretty much nonstop since like mid August of last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And to see that kind of derailed this year would be something else. Um, And I would take satisfaction because I, it was only a me thing, but I always, there were in like every MLB reply in like the off season, there'd be, a load of Padres fans saying the Dodgers championship was fake because of a 60 game season, but it's also ironic because the Padres probably benefited most from the 60 game season. Like they weren't supposed to have the second best team in the the national league, but it would be funny to see them not make the playoffs in a full season.
1: It's Um, all been downhill since uh, those guys made that music video.
0: Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Outside of a good like April, including
1: including playoffs, since that video was released, the Padres are 68 and 61. Oh, wow! Which is like, I mean, cool, man. Like, you're you're above 500,
0: yeah, with one of the most active uh GMs out yeah. there
1: with and... the guy who's who's like a three time offseason champion,
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um. But yeah, I mean, if the Padres don't make it this year, I mean, the the one positive is they have plenty of more opportunities with their uh given roster, but it would be uh it would be very disappointing for them after after all the hype that surrounded them after this uh after this past off season and even after uh, last season. And... It would
1: suck. I would suck to not see Tatis in the playoffs. Like that would I would actually be upset at that.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And it would suck not to see a Dodgers-Padres wild card game. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, I, I'm not that pumped about Dodgers-Reds in in uh Dodgers Stadium.
1: Hear me out. Hear me out. There's a, there's got to be a situation. Let's just say we get a Dodgers-Reds playoff game uh, in in Los Angeles. Some some Reds fans got to take one for the team and like break his leg or something as soon as nick castellanos comes up to bat every single time
0: oh yeah (laughs) yeah like uh i I did see since the start of july i think i think castellanos has like a below 800 ops and i was like well tragedies have been i guess tragedies have been down recently yeah for the most part (laughs) Nothing, nothing
1: bad has happened
0: yeah, when Nick Castellanos is struggling, you know the world is in a good place. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: world world peace could be achieved, and Nick Castellanos would have like a negative weighted runs created plus. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, uh,
1: there was a there was a fan who like who like fell out of the stands. at I think it was like Dodger Stadium, and passed away. And then on the Twitter timeline, immediately next to that was the MLB home run bot that tweeted Castellanos.
0: Yeah, like you can't make that up.
1: Oh no, it was at it was at City Field. Yeah, man found dead at New York Mets Stadium. Nick Castellanos, Cincinnati Reds, twenty to run. And then back. the same then the same thing happened with uh when Jack Morris like uh was under fire for saying why well, he like did a he did something dumb. I'm not I'm not gonna say what it was, but like he did something dumb uh on the broadcast regarding Shohei Ohtani. By the way, why does why do people say the stupidest stuff with Shohei Ohtani? Um, like, well, I'm like well, Shohei Ohtani is just trying to exist and everyone's getting into controversy, like all media members, I swear to God.
0: I'm trying to think of the of other the Stephen uh, A. Smith. Other... Oh, yes. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I that's, don't the, know. that's the main other one. I wonder. I wonder what the I wonder what happened like when each uh, was coming up.
1: Well, that was just like rob dibble being like he won't win the batting title
0: yeah th- that was just normal stuff
1: yeah that was just rob dibble you know doing his thing
0: yeah shout out to the nasty boys um yeah i guess uh i think i think we i think we covered, that. covered
1: everything yeah
0: <laughs> covered all that there um very interesting especially with the strength of schedule stuff i would have thought that maybe the reds have been benefiting from poor scheduling and the Padres have been benefiting from tough scheduling as of late, but, um, it's not getting any easier for the Padres for sure. And, um, you know, statistically speaking, it shouldn't be getting much harder for the reds. Um, so, uh, probably one of the more interesting developments this season thus far. Uh, all right. So, uh, You know, last thing to address, uh, we, we talk about scoreboard watch. We're on where, you know, we're, we're close to history here. The Orioles have lost 18 games in a row and, uh, they are six away from breaking the modern era record. Uh, and four away from breaking the franchise record when they, of course, in 1988, when they started, zero and 21, uh, so yeah, they've lost 18 in a row. Their team ERA in the span is 8.24. No one is within, I think, a run and a half of that. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, pretty historically bad. And we've talked about how the AL East has been kind of a carousel of beating the crap out of the Orioles, and uh, it's been it's almost making history in how bad they've been.
1: Funny. So. The Orioles, this doesn't get talked about enough. The Orioles from 2018 to now probably have the best example of, like, the negative effects on tanking in baseball probably ever. Um, Like, even right now, like, you don't, like, when the Astros were this far into this tank, like, you at least had, like, Ben Ryder writing about, like, the 2017 World Champs in 2014. And, like, yeah, the Orioles do have a good farm, but it's, like, Right now it's hard for me to picture them winning, even with Adley Rushman, even with all the guys that they have coming up in the in the future. Like it's like it's gonna take those guys time to develop. Here's probably the most staggering thing. Since the start of 2019, do you wanna guess the amount of players the Orioles have had with guaranteed salaries?
0: Um how many players do they have with guaranteed salaries? Like uh, not like
1: what? like at, past arbitration.
0: Yeah, at what at what point? Yeah,
1: since twenty nineteen. the last three seasons
0: um i'm gonna guess uh four
1: it's six (laughs) you did you did did undershoot but still i mean six players over over three seasons chris davis alex cobb mark trumbo jose iglesias wade leblanc matt harvey and matt harvey is the only one this year by the way this year he is the only player with a guaranteed salary of one year one million
0: yeah that's wild
1: like they, like Chris Davis retired. They, they traded Freddie Galvis. Uh, they just DFA'd Mike Alfranco. Like they just, Matt Harvey's the only person left on this team with a guaranteed salary. Meanwhile, Trey Mancini, Pedro Severino and Anthony Santander are the only ones that are ARB eligible this year, uh, this year. And then John Means, Jorge Lopez, Paul Fry, and then Tanner Skar will begin ARB one this year.
0: Yeah. And, um,
1: They have a payroll of $63 million. Right. Which is like the MLB (laughs) just discussed like a potential proposal for a salary floor. They would have to add $37 million to that.
0: Yeah. They're bringing back back Gossman.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: They they just bring back one guy instead of like maybe five decent players. That proposal
1: looked good and all, but then they were like, oh yeah, there's also going to be another tax for teams spending more than 180.
0: Yeah, I, I which, don't know
1: which w- like that kind of ruins the whole purpose of what you're trying to get done.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's weird to like I mean, I guess the NFL does that well, but I, I don't yeah, I'm not a huge fan of making of uh yeah, just discouraging being um as competitive as you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, yeah. The tax would be at like a hundred eighty million.
1: Yep. Uh, uh, what's the and the current? Like uh, what is the current luxury tax number?
0: Is it changes every year based on yeah. like inflation or whatever? So, and I think it's two ten probably.
1: The Dodgers, are, the
0: Dodgers are at two hundred
1: eighty two this year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I I understand having the luxury tax. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I mean, when you have. 180 million dollars like that teams are going to get discouraged from like the from spending like that's just gonna that's not gonna be good at all really
0: uh yeah yeah it's 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 hard to um it's hard to do that i i I would imagine like with the nfl and you kind of have to compare it to different leagues because that's really all you can um all you can compare it to i did not realize by the way that the Orioles have another guy top ten in the. Uh, MLB yeah, uh,
1: Grayson Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, I did not realize that
1: he's been. Yeah, he's been big this year. Yeah, um, baseball America ranked them as the second best farm system in baseball.
0: Well, you know, at least there's that. <laughs>
1: there is that, but I mean, like those guys are gonna take time to develop, and even when they do, like, do we trust that the the front office will be able to spend on the pieces that that will be able to support those players.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's difficult. I mean, I guess the only defense to that is that their, their current GM came straight from Houston. So maybe that is a little encouraging because they obviously spent on players during their, their peak years.
0: Um, yeah, that is true. And they kind of built, them and the Dodgers kind of built a model of um developing play you know player development and then being able to uh add to add fill the missing holes um or fill the holes that the that the players you developed didn't fill like
1: there's this narrative with the Dodgers that that all that all they do is like they just spend on the best players and like that is definitely true to a degree but like look up and down the roster and you'll see so many guys that they took that that have severely outperformed with their expectations when they went to the Dodgers. Like Max Muncy is a literal like MVP candidate. He's also an NL MVP candidate, very overlooked all year. Uh, Chris Taylor was a, just a random guy in Seattle who it, it was literally a, how about that of mine this year? Justin Turner was, was released by like the Mets, the Orioles, like they not only do they spend a lot, but they also like end up working out a lot on guys who have low expectations coming into LA.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Like they, that's
1: something that is not talked about enough is like the Dodgers do an extremely good job of that too.
0: Yeah. They're very good at, at transforming at transforming players. Yeah. Like once mm-hmm. he was just kind of a, you know, a guy that didn't work out in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Turner was a guy who didn't work out with the Mets and Taylor Taylor. I didn't know was uh, from uh, Seattle yeah. or the Mariners yeah. organization. And then, yeah, they have homegrown guys that obviously have worked out. Will Smith, you know, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Corey Seager, uh, Cody Bellinger, just yeah. up and down the list. There's, you know, homegrown players that have that have worked out for the for the Dodgers, and then eventually,
1: and even Kenley too.
0: Yeah, Kenley Jansen, Walker Bueller, Bueller. Yeah, how could I forget Bueller?
1: Yeah, and then you know everyone looks at oh but like Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Trevor Bauer, David Price, Max Scherzer.
0: Right, yeah. It's just AJ Pollock. Like if they if for some reason they had like 180 million dollar um like uh, cap, they'd still do pretty well, I would imagine. Dustin
1: May too. We didn't even mention him. He's hurt, and that's why.
0: Yeah, Dustin May. Like the it's it's rare to see kind of a Dodger come up and not work out you know like even he has time but Gavin Lux hasn't worked out but he mm-hmm. could still develop into something very very good as well
1: yeah and they um, also i mean in the case of Gavin Lux they also didn't trade him for Felipe Vasquez which you know they i I assume they didn't know you know about that but that was a trade that was almost made and the Dodgers said no we're going to take we're going to keep this guy
0: right they they know they know kind of when to um, when to go aggressively and when not to. Um, but back to Baltimore, uh yeah, I mean, this is gone <laughs> this is gone uh kind of uh, all over the place, but yeah, Baltimore they have four they have four prospects in the top they've four prospects in the top uh 100 on according to mlb.com uh they've got two in the top 8 which is uh good for them and as you mentioned according to baseball america they're sec they have the second best farm system right
1: yes behind the mariners
0: yeah they're uh yeah they have a uh, some something developing uh over there i like uh Uh, you know a few years ago that was not the case they you know were one of the worst teams and had one of the worst farm systems as well Mm -hmm. um yeah and yeah it's a matter
1: of how well they can translate to the major league level which you know that's obviously a crapshoot doesn't always work out but we'll have to see
0: yeah so they've lost 18 in a row i gotta we gotta look at their upcoming schedule see when when their next win might be maybe it's tonight maybe maybe we just all, all that had to happen was us addressing them yep um let's take a look at their schedule on uh, baseball reference baseball reference by the way pretty good website for uh, baseball research if uh you know they're not no free ads but
1: yeah if you're if you're looking to if you're looking to look into some baseball stats go to baseball reference
0: yeah one of the one of the better um and then yeah, of, and then you get
1: one of the big three, really.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're also
1: if you're looking for more, go to Fangraphs. Go to Baseball Savant.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: They're, they're all pretty good.
0: Yeah. If you sometimes we mention B War and F War, the B actually stands for Baseball Reference. And some people F...
1: call it R War for Reference War.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some people do that, but uh, mm-hmm. we over here at at uh above replacement radio we don't usually do that yeah. um it's you know, there's no
1: real difference not that big of a deal be, everyone knows what it means
0: yeah yeah uh baltimore they face the angels uh for three games in baltimore then they have the rays so the rays, um, of course. if they got swept by both the angels and the rays that would break the record but I feel like they have a win against the Angels coming up. I, I should. I to I do
1: too. I think they. I think they take one from the Angels. They, they have just got to. swept by Cleveland. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about the Little League Classic. That was pretty cool. I mean, I, I know they do it every year, but like having Shohei Otani and Mike Trout mic'd up—that was good. Tristan McKenzie, same thing. Uh, your guy Cal Quantrill dominated.
0: Yeah. It. It is cool when the two of the hottest commodities in Major League Baseball are able to be at that event. That's never happened before. Like Shohei Otani is uh, the guy to pay attention to in the baseball world, and you know a bunch of you know aspiring baseball players, you know, it, as you know, young as yeah. eleven and twelve years old, uh, were Dylan able to Bun- uh, see him.
1: Dylan Bundy is making his return to Baltimore tonight.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. It's a it's the Dylan Bundy revenge I'm game. Coming.
1: And then Shohei Ohtani, pitches Shohei Ohtani on, Wednesday, on Wednesday. And then TBD on Thursday.
0: Yeah, who're the Yeah, the Orioles Orioles have Watkins going tonight. Mm-hmm. Spencer, Spencer Watkins. Watkins. There's potential for a win there. I don't see it happening tomorrow night and even on even on Thursday night They've got that uh, Keegan Aiken guy.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't really
0: trust that either, so maybe tonight, maybe tonight is the night.
1: yeah Dylan Bundy is was a slightly alarming of yours uh, yeah we'll we'll have to see
0: yeah he he made an exit out of the rotation and is now back, but I don't know maybe maybe Bundy you know finds it in his heart to uh, defeat defeat the Orioles. Um, we'll have to see. So yeah, if if they uh, if they keep losing, we'll probably address it again next episode because they probably will they're sniffing that record. They are. Um. All right. Uh. And yeah, this has got to be the longest. I-, I wonder the last time we had a losing streak this long.
1: It's been. I mean, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, so that means it's got to be bad.
0: MLB, uh, longest losing streaks taking a look here list we have a list here um although there's probably a there's a lot of pre-modern era ones (laughs) like shout out to the louisville colonels of 1889 uh they lost where is it where does it say their uh their streak here 26 they lost 26 in a row But that is not the modern era. We're looking at the modern era record here. And the Phillies did that in 1961. 23 in a row is the modern era record. And the last time we saw 18 in a row. Oh, 2005. The Royals lost uh, 19 in a row in 2005. Uh, Yeah. All right. So there, there we go. There we have it. Um, so yeah, the, the Orioles have two more in a row to break the 21st century record. Obviously it's something they're not trying to break. Um, all right. So now we can get into our players to highlight for good and bad reasons. Uh, let's get into the Tuesday, August 24th, 2021 edition of ah, crap, <laughs> would you miss the button? Um, I had it muted. Oh, uh, uh, so who, who are you looking at today? So I have two how about that's on today, and they're both from uh teams
1: that could use some uh, uplifting. First, first of all, I am talking about Dalton Varsho from the Arizona Diamondbacks who has been slashing 351, 435, 784 for an 1189 OPS with a 211 weighted runs created plus since July 20th. He is 5th in f over that span, and uh, he is a 1.8 F-war, but he has 50 to 60 less plate appearances than everyone else around him in the rankings. So his Warper 162 is probably better than everyone else. And the most impressive thing about him is that We've seen, you know, we've seen a lot of utility players become more of a norm in today's game. You know, a lot of players can play several different positions. But Dalton Farshow is bringing a new meaning to utility players this season. He has played 27 games at catcher, six games in left field, 18 games in center field, and five games in right field. And in baseball history, going back to 1871, this this is the 22nd season where someone has played all five. Have, has played five games at least at all four of those positions. And among all 22 of those seasons, the last one to have an 800 OPS was Mike Grady in 1898. Dalton Varshow currently has an 812 OPS. Uh, regardless of sample size, the last time anyone had a 800 OPS while playing all four of those positions at least five times in a season was Mike Grady in 1898. That's what we we're looking at from Dalton Varshow.
0: Dalton Varshow. Dalton
1: First player in the modern era. Yes. And my second how about that comes from the team we just talk about, the Baltimore Orioles. I promise, Orioles fans, it is not all bad. Reliever Marcus Deplan has emerged in the losing streak. He made his debut on August 6th, which was during this 18-game losing streak. And since then, he has pitched in seven games. He has 11 innings pitched, two hits allowed, zero earned runs, three walks allowed, and 11 strikeouts. This means he has a 0.56 average against him with a 0.45 whip. And he is the first reliever in MLB history with 11 innings pitched, an average against below 0.6 and a walk percentage below 10% in his first seven games. And he leads MLB in expected batting average with a 111, expected slugging with a 163 and expected Woba with a 162 since the Orioles losing streak started. And that is minimum 150 pitches thrown. So Marcos Duplan has been the lone bright spot in Baltimore. And he's just been a regular bright spot in the league, regardless of where he's playing.
0: Marcos Duplan. How about that? Uh, yeah, he's the one guy. One guy that was uh, a very
1: uh, impromptu, how about that? I found that... You, I usually try to plan out that how about that's like pretty... Uh, like the night before each recording, I found that while I was getting numbers on the Orioles, I was like, oh this guy is is good actually,
0: yeah, like I wonder what their e r a is without Deplon uh I mean like, it's only eleven innings over eighteen games. It can't be that, yeah that but it, different. Might be, it might be like like in the upper eights without Deplon,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: um so yeah, two how about that's there uh my how about that? Is uh, not on a team that really needs uplifting. They've been, they've been pretty hot, and I guess he's been one of the uh, catalysts of that. Uh, I'm looking at Dansby Swanson, who in his last 21 games is hitting 378 with an 11 11 OPS. And in this span, out of the 162 qualifiers, he ranks fifth in average, fifth in on base percentage, fourth in slugging, fourth in OPS, second in RBI, and first in F War. Uh, been the best player of the past uh, three plus weeks and his hard hit rate and average exit velocity are actually down from where they pr- were prior to this span. It's just that he's putting the ball in play more. And it's not where like he's getting a, it's not like his expected batting average is, uh is also low. It's just, he's putting the ball in play way more before the span. His strikeout rate was 27.2%. And in this span, his strikeout rate is down to 11.0%. So, he's cut it down by more than half. Uh, So, Dansby Swanson. How about that? Uh, All right. So, now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking about. Players or subjects that have been underperforming for our Monday, August 24th, 2021 edition of... Slightly alarming. Uh, Who do you got for us today?
1: So, my slightly alarming has been has been very streaky all season. This guy could have been a freeze-over and a comeback special twice each. But I'm talking about Andrew McCutcheon, who hasn't been playing well since he came off the IL with, I believe it was his left knee, his left arm or something like that. Uh, Either way, he was on the IL, and since then, since he came off on August 11th, he is slashing 103, 146, 205 for a 351 OPS, negative seven weighted runs created plus. His 146 OBP is the worst among 170 qualifiers, and his 156 WOBA is second worst. And that's slightly alarming because even in the times where Andrew McCutcheon has struggled this year, the one constant through his season has been walks. He's 96 percentile in walk rate. He has a 4.9 walk rate in this span, so he hasn't been getting the walks in like he has been all year, and that's been a detriment to, uh, to an already bad slump. And his last game played in San Diego, which was on Saturday, was particularly bad as he went 0 for 5 with 5 strikeouts, making his 39% K rate since August 11th, the 7th worst in baseball. Also, 5 strikeouts was a career high for him in a single game. And his average launch angle this year is 13 degrees, and his average launch angle during the slump is 19 degrees. So he's hitting the ball in the air a lot more. I believe he has 4 pop-ups with a launch angle above 50 degrees, so that is... Not very good.
0: Yeah, Andrew McCutcheon. Slightly alarming. Uh, you speak on someone who has been uh, streaky. And uh, my... Yeah, my uh, slightly alarming is uh, someone who definitely has been streaky. This is probably the biggest... The fastest turnaround we've seen in terms of uh, like freeze-over or ARR comeback special. Um, I'm taking a, another... How about that of yours and freezing it over? Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm talking about Harrison Bader. Um, in his last 22 games, he's hitting at 171 with a 412 OPS. And I, I, I don't like doing this uh, also because he was actually my player to watch. So uh, this, this just makes me look. Uh, this makes Your me. Your players
1: to watch have been tough.
0: Yeah, they have. They have. It's not going to get worse than uh, Tim LaCastro, <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. Um, I mean. Yeah, Bader. You know he's been streaky. He's on he's on the uh, the the bad end of, of streaky players right now. Tw- last twenty two games hitting one seventy one with a four twelve OPS. Also in the span, he ranks last in slugging and OPS among qualifiers. And one of the things that made him a how about that of yours was his career low fifteen percent strikeout rate. Uh, but in the span uh, of twenty two games, his strikeout rate is back up to 30.8%. Uh, it's more than doubled. So, uh, you know, back, kind of back to his old ways in this, uh, in this bad streak of things. And also uh, what's, been, um, what's been pretty alarming from Harrison Bader is out of the 168 hitters with 50-plus batted balls since this span started, he has the second lowest line drive rate. And you may think, who might have a lower line drive rate than Harrison Bader? That man is Miguel Cabrera, who I don't know if you know this, but may, may, be, may have been trying to hit some fly balls over the past month. Uh, Miguel Cabrera has. So maybe not focused on the line drives as much. He's the only guy with a lower line drive rate um, out of 168 batters uh, since July 28th. So Harrison Bader striking out a lot, not hitting, not hitting a lot of line drives, Um, Getting a, uh, getting a slightly alarming and a freeze-over. So Harrison Bader. Slightly alarming. Um, so yeah, that does it for players to highlight. Players or subjects to highlight for good or bad reasons. Now we get into uh, a preview of the week ahead. Uh, this is on a Tuesday. So, I mean, we didn't miss that much uh, on Monday. No um you know i guess uh one thing i guess you could address is i think the yankees and braves are having like a historic matchup because of their how streaky they've been or or whatever
1: yeah they were the first team since 1901 to face each other with nine game win streaks
0: yeah it's crazy um the yankees won that affair last night and they're playing one more tonight um and then uh yeah serious to look over uh, we have, you know, it's, it, I think it's kind of funny how different things, how different things have shaped up since their last time meeting each other, but you can't forget about Dodgers Padres. Uh, yep. It's, it's gone uh, very differently. I, I should, maybe if I prepared before we could have got, I could have gotten the, um, like their their place in the standings, uh, in the last time they met, but I think they were battling it out for the NL West the last time they phased each other, but very different now. Um, also something to look out for. Uh, and I believe uh, Dodgers Padres is going to be a three game series and most of the, most of the pitching matchups are undetermined, I believe. Uh, and then you have uh, Brewers Reds, which, you know, Brewers are pretty safe at the top of the National League Central and are probably fighting for a one seed possibly. Uh, but then the Reds, as we've mentioned, one of the hottest teams in baseball and uh, fighting for that wild card spot currently. So that should be a good matchup. That's going to be happening at American Family Field tonight. You have a very good pitching matchup Wednesday night. You have another very good pitching matchup. You have you have some matchups going on here. So yeah, uh, Daniel's gonna be getting into those. And any other series to to look out for? I don't I don't really think so.
1: Um I mean White Sox Blue Jays is pretty good.
0: Yeah, White Sox Blue Jays is is pretty interesting. Actually, something I'm probably more intrigued in is or actually uh that series is ending today, it looks like. Uh is uh is Mariners, but I think that's oh, wow. ending today. So yeah, it's not really upcoming. What do you have for day by day matchups?
1: So, well, for yeah, for day by day matchups uh, on Tuesday, Tanner Houck is pitching for the Red Sox, the right-handed Chris Sale. You have Chris Flexen versus Cole Irvin, the uh, the classic don't throw it above ninety one miles per hour game. That's going to be a good one. You have uh, Dylan Bunny making his return to Baltimore, as we mentioned earlier. Madison Bumgarner pitching in Pittsburgh for the Diamondbacks. Ranger Suarez, one of my how about that's pitching for the Phillies against the Rays. You have uh, Charlie Morton pitching for the Braves against the Yankees. You have Casey Mize versus Jack Flaherty in Tigers and Cardinals. That's a good matchup. You should pay attention to. You have Herman Marquez versus Justin Steele going against each other in Rockies Cubs. That'll be at Wrigley. Tyler Male versus Corbin Burns uh, in Milwaukee. That'll be a good one. But the matchup of the night it comes to us from. White Sox, Blue Jays, Dylan Cease versus Jose Barrios, two guys who faced each other a lot when they were in division and they're going off again. So then on Wednesday, you have Lance McCullers Jr. going for the Astros against the Royals. You have Shohei Otani possibly making, looking to make a 20 in a row for the Orioles in, uh, in Baltimore. Zach Wheeler is going to be going for the Phillies. You have Giolito versus Ray in, uh, in White Sox, Blue Jays. That'll be a good matchup. You have Josiah. Oh, this is one I'm excited for. Josiah Gray versus Edward Cabrera in Nationals versus Marlins. If you don't know, Edward Cabrera is making his major league debut. He's the number thirty overall prospect in baseball, according to MLB.com. Josiah Gray has been featured on Pitching Ninja a lot. He's been pitching pretty well for the Nationals. He came over in the Max Scherzer Trey Turner deal. That's going to be a fun one to watch. You have Johnny Cueto versus Taiwan Walker in. Giants versus Mets. You also have Walker Bueller versus Blake Snell in Dodgers Padres. Match of the night comes from Reds Brewers. You have Luis Castillo versus Brandon Woodruff. That is going to be a good one. And then on Thursday, not a lot is really announced. You have Chris Sale going for the Red Sox. You have Kunjin Ryu going for the Blue Jays against the White Sox. You have. Uh, Sonny Gray and Brett Anderson with the exact same earned run average going against each other in Reds Brewers, Max Serger going for the uh, Dodgers against the Padres matchup of the night. I guess as of right now, uh, this is probably subject to change, but Alex Wood versus Carlos Carrasco and giants Mets uh, just, you know, two names at least, but really not a lot is announced. I'm sure there's probably going to be better matchups that are yet to be announced.
0: Right. Um, so, yeah, that does it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed this one. Um, if you want to, if you're listening on that podcast, Spotify, and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore and follow the show on Instagram at Above Replacement Radio. For all the show needs and we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on friday where we will be talking about all the happenings in major league baseball once again see you then this conversation this conversation is over is over